This podcast is recorded and produced on the unceded lands of the Darkinyung people, and I acknowledge them as the traditional owners. This is Mother Other with Amy Pearson. Today on the show, I'm chatting with the incredibly passionate and empowering sexologist, Tamika Wilder. I am so excited to be launching season three with this juicy episode. Sex after birth is something that has become a bit of a hot topic in the birthing and postpartum world, but I feel as though a lot of the time we're missing what matters most. We hear about the pressures of getting back in the bedroom to please a partner how long it takes for our body to get the okay from our doctor for intercourse. And there's often two sides to the narrative of sex after birth. One is forcing yourself to do it for a partner's sake, and the other is completely turning away from sex and our sexuality due to the pressures and expectations surrounding it, which can be understandable. But there is another way of looking at sex after birth, and that is reclaiming sexuality and desire purely for yourself. Tamika is a somatic sex coach and erotic educator who I discovered last year on Instagram and I've honestly been lapping up her educational content ever since. I'm going to be honest with you, I have listened to this conversation with Tamika multiple times since we recorded it late last year and I don't often do that. Tamika is opening up such important conversations about sex positive parenting, eroticism, sex and intimacy. She offers permission for us to feel curiosity, reawaken our sexual pleasure and cultivate sexual confidence, which I think is an incredible tool for mums and people who have birthed children. This episode brings a huge amount of knowledge, support, wisdom and insight into how we can nourish ourselves both physically and mentally after having babies and find a path to pleasure that suits us personally. Tamika really clarified how important it is for us to actually completely avoid penetrative sex until we're feeling ready and if you're not feeling up to it, you're not ready. If you need some support in talking to your partner about any of this, Tamika shares some wisdom for partners in this episode, so perhaps this might be a good one to listen to together, or you could always send them the link. Tamika and I also discuss what it's like to be a driven, self-employed freelancer, how she wrangled with the lack of freedom to create and earn after becoming a mum, the deep level up that happens within a mother once they've transitioned through birth, and how often their non-birthing partners don't quite meet them there. Sex-positive parenting, how we can empower our children and avoid shaming them and their bodies from the beginning. Tamika shows some deep vulnerability when discussing the postpartum period with her first baby, which truly highlights just how impactful this time is even years later. Tamika was completely comfortable sharing this with me, but I just wanted to add a note here in case any listeners are feeling extra sensitive today. This is a golden episode. I am so thankful to Tamika for sharing her wisdom. Enjoy. So I have um, Sol. He is my seven-year-old firstborn, what a cutie, <laughs> and Kuali, who's four, and um yeah, they're very, very different little boys. Yeah, all children are so different, hey? 
It's crazy. So, so different. It's crazy. Yeah. So often you hear that thing where it's like, my first was so calm and he was so like wonderful. And then my second is like literally crazy. <laughs> I don't know if you hear that a lot, Yeah. but that, yeah, that's my two. So yeah, soul and choir and the births were really different as well. Mm. Um, and again, that's, you know, very common too, like no two births ever happen the same, but, mm. um, I learned a lot through birthing those boys, um, through this body. So, yeah. And yeah. then was being a mother something you'd always envisioned for yourself? I did. I wasn't, um, I mean, probably like all of us, I had no idea what that was going to mean or be like, but it never seemed like an option for me not to. I always had a very maternal pull. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I always knew I was going to have a family. Um, so I didn't think about it. There was nothing rational about my um choices to become pregnant yeah and <laughs> um, even like the timeline or anything like that there was no ration or reason it was just like oh here we go yep it was the the what it, it falling pregnant like what that actually means and it's like oh I fell pregnant rather than planned to become pregnant that's so true I never thought about it like yeah. that and then who were you as a working woman before you fell pregnant so, for yeah, time. for I've been someone who, you know, has held maybe, you know, three or four jobs since about 12 or 13 years old. So a lot of my ambition and my tenacity and my ability and desire to be in community and be in the world and be, you know, at the core of kind of a group experience and, and yeah, to work um, started really early on. So I... Yeah, held lots of different jobs, did lots of different training, was, um, you know, held lots of different roles and actually becoming a mother, stopping all of that. So not earning for the first time since early on in my teen years was terrifying, mm. was like the worst, the worst. I struggled with that far more than what I ever thought I would Um so I had to stop in ways that I couldn't even comprehend. Mm. Yeah, I felt, I felt that for sure. Did you yeah. have concerns about your career or aspirations bef before you fell pregnant when you were thinking about motherhood or did you sort of think about it? <laughs> That's what I meant before. It's like there wasn't a, it wasn't a yeah, rational yeah. kind of thought process. I didn't consider that. I didn't do planning like, okay, I'm going to get to this point in my career and then I'm yeah. going to have babies and then I'm going to go on maternal. It was never like that for me because yeah. I've always also been entrepreneurial. Mm. Like I've, I've held all of these roles and a lot of the time it's like creating my own stuff and, and, you know, being a sole trader and putting myself in other people's businesses and contracting and all that. So yeah, it was never a big, there was no planning for me. Yeah. It just all was like, okay, this is what's next. And so trusting the currents of like, ah, oh, okay, this is what I'm supposed to turn my focus to next. Um, and it was a big part of my, my healing actually in a weird way, um, overcoming uh, sexual abuse and trauma from childhood and moving through what was next to learn about um, my body and what was next to learn about being in service to something more than myself yeah so children for me were a very grounding piece yeah were you interested in sexology work at this point or did you find some empowerment through motherhood yeah so I feel like my whole life 
I have had a sign on my head saying safe person to talk about sex with, safe person to talk about like really intense, gnarly, taboo, hidden, repressed yeah. shit with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, sex and self-inquiry th- through sex has been a big part of my life for a very long time um, and through relation with other um so I wasn't like oh I'm going to be a sexologist however um yeah after the babes I had to do a lot of um taking care of my pelvis in a different way taking care of my genitals in a different way coming back into somatic meaning body awareness because my past left me quite disassociated from my body yeah right birthing babies and carrying babies is very grounding and bringing us back into that somatic experience mm. you know the blood and the and the, the milk if you're you know someone who gets milk in their breasts um that kind of he- that the weight and that primal stuff mm. is very is very body focused so all of that brought me back into my body after patterns of disassociation and then yeah I decided to focus more intently on right I'm not going to be someone who's just going to go oh well this is my body now I've got my children I'm so grateful my life is fine like don't worry about the other stuff like sex and pleasure and arousal and playfulness and connection with other yeah just be grateful I was never going to do that Mm. never ever so I'm like okay I'm going to heal it I'm going to like make everything better than what it was like in my 20s actually and so through that inquiry I um yeah studied more and decided to put my lens solely on um, somatic sexology and um it feels like it's where I've always I was always meant to be here yeah always it's like ah I'm home I've landed like right Mm. in my sweet spot everything I've ever done every training every piece of like work the random connecting the dots it's like yeah that's amazing so good how about like the transition into motherhood itself mentally and physically you speak a lot about physically but how did you feel in your identity did you sort of transition smoothly into motherhood what was that process like for you I feel like um with my first son, I was a lot more like, oh, well, life's pretty much the same. I've just got this little fella with me all the time. Like I had a very kind of flippant attitude actually, which um, wasn't necessarily like the truth. So I was very laissez-faire. Yeah. And however, underneath I was very restless. So I didn't. I didn't really rest into motherhood quickly or easily. It took me like years, yeah. maybe three years or something. And then by that time I was pregnant with Kwale. But I was like, oh, I'm not rested into this at all. I'm like always still like looking for the next thing and like, oh, I'll just keep working under there and I'll just, yeah, I didn't rest with him. Mm. So it wasn't, it wasn't cinchy at all. It didn't feel natural at all for yeah. me to um and I was it was so lonely yeah like it's the first time I've not been in a earning capacity but also in a social capacity like as I said before like in the nucleus of a community or a group totally. so yeah can really that was to messed that. up yeah yeah did you end up finding other mums specifically I, su- I suppose I say mums because they're generally the ones that have been through the same experience but that you could connect with on a deeper level than just the surface kind of talk 
some of my, you know, one or two of my close friends were having babies at the same time as me. Um, I also lived with my sister for a period, not a mum, but there was connection there. Mm. Um, no, not really. Like I wasn't really the mum that kind of gelled with the with the um, the mum's group yeah. vibe. Like yeah. I didn't love sitting around and mm. talking about, you know, growth charts and yeah, uh, yeah. I just nah, that wasn't me. It wasn't me. So yeah. I I took my, my babies camping and I, you know, I went to Seven Sisters Festival with Sol when he was seven weeks old and I like put up the tent and Wow. <laughs> no, but <laughs> I'm emotional. Oh girl. You know, I could have just rested. Yeah. I could have just yeah. not done that. I could have not slung him around with me everywhere and Yeah. You know tried to be the same because it's not the same yeah we don't know that though do we in the moment we don't we just sort of society expects us to continue on as we are and we can't it's so hard and you know yeah seeing you get emotional now makes me feel emotional because I look back only just now I have a two-year-old and I feel like I've come through actually a really dark place for a really long time and not Mm. realizing that when I was in it at all Mm. um and Mm. pretending like I was fine and sort of getting on with life and I'm the same in the way that I'm a freelancer and I always have been and so continuing to work and push myself because it made me feel like I was me like I had an identity Mm. still but it was really freaking hard and I don't know it's like we don't we don't have enough community support around mums who are going through this for the first time and so we just kind of do things like what you just did went to a freaking festival with a seven week old man that's that's full on (laughs) but you like look at you you're amazing the career that you've created for yourself (laughs) since having two babies totally yeah thank you you feeling all right it is yeah, no, no, I'm good. It's 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 great. I love I love its honesty and you know, I'm on day one of my bleed as well, so it's a lovely oh. time to have a little bit of a yeah. release cry. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> Today's episode is sponsored by Lucy. Lucy is here to make a difference. Promoting a holistic approach to sexual wellness, their flagship product is a water-based, non-sticky personal lubricant. Australian-made, vegan, and with no nasties, it's scientifically designed for your most sensitive parts, making it ideal for use throughout your pregnancy and postpartum. Enter Mother Other at the checkout to receive 15% off your order. I'd like to talk to you about postpartum. I think what comes up a lot when we talk about postpartum, especially with the mums I talk to on this podcast and the sort of new bodily experience mental experience we're struggling to reconnect with our bodies and therefore our partners if we have one and therefore sex and pleasure often Mm. we're taking on a lot more than we can handle physically and emotionally again because of society's expectations and there's no support and we're not sleeping enough we're overtired we're healing from maybe a traumatic birth or breastfeeding or having issues Mm. there is that something you had to manage postpartum and do you have advice for mothers who are wrangling with this? Like, what is my body? Who am I? How do I be sexual? It's such a tumultuous time. Totally. It is. Um, 
I feel like, yeah, there's a couple of layers to it because also when you think about that postpartum time, three or six weeks out from birth is so, so different to um, 10 or 12 weeks out. Yeah. And, and, you know, that whole time is like postpartum. Yeah. So I want to like chunk it back a little bit potentially to a lot of women that I talk to, depending on where we are after like how long it's been since we've birthed. It's really about when we're talking about sexuality and, and pleasure and coming back to our body, it's like, who's it for? The first thing I do is like, how long has it been since you've had your baby? Oh, six weeks. Okay. We are not working together on how you can like get back to feeling okay about having sex with your husband. Yeah. Like, no. Yeah. Because so much of the time we, it's, it's based in worry. Oh, I better get back on the horse because, oh fuck, it's been nine weeks and I'm, you know, he's going to get upset or he's going to leave or he's going to cheat on me or he'll keep watching porn or I just better like open my body up again. Fucking no. Mm -hmm. Like that's the first thing to watch for. Like who's it for? This is for us first and foremost. And you know, the most important things that we can do uh, come back into loads of really good quality breath loads of really good quality food, loads of really good quality, gentle, um, you know, nervous system regulating touch for yourself, which could include things like, you know, cupping and holding your vulva and doing some beautiful breathing, Um, doing some lovely pelvis mapping where you're like holding the bones of your pelvis and just coming back into that gentle, soft connection with the structures of your body. the nervous system is the priority in everything first and foremost, like when it comes to to postpartum somatic inquiry and and then therefore sexual inquiry. Um, So yeah, does that, I think. Yeah, that's amazing. This is, I'm I'm silent because I'm just absorbing everything you're saying because it's like, yes, I need this information. It's so nice to hear someone talk about things so straightforward because no one does, you know, that's why I'm so happy to have you on talking about this topic. Um, I feel like the, one of the big sort of blockers to sexuality, especially after having a baby is the inability to disconnect from the nurturing role that we sort of fall into naturally as um, birthing people, but also societal expectations as women and mothers, um, generally. So how do we marry the mother self with the sensual self? Is that the answer to it or... Well, it it depends also on your relationship because if you were in a relationship before your bub where you were that big motherly nurturing figure Mm. like so many people are to potentially, you know, I I guess my example is in hetero couples actually, that nurture can really come out in a woman like toward a man. And so if that was the dynamic and then where baby comes out, then baby becomes actually number one and he falls down a peg, that can be very difficult for you to feel that level of nurture, actually. That's where you, we probably need to receive a lot more holding, a lot more of that fierce, connected, present um, 
withholding from our partner. So it's like actually changing the whole dynamic of the relationship structure for some people. Yeah. That's if you had that, that big nurture part. Um, I don't believe it's about marrying your nurturer to your sensuality. Yeah. I believe it's actually about taking your sexuality and your sensuality and your eroticism and making it yours again. Mm. so so much of our sex is connected inside of relationship we it's a relational act of course but it means that we outsource everything to do with it into partnership yeah right so the first step is actually to claim it back and make it completely yours again and that's where you hit the reset button from Mm. so it might actually mean you don't engage in penetrative sex potentially with a partner for a little while because you're coming back into self-nurture you're coming back into oh how does my body want to be touched oh how are my scars healing oh you know how do I feel about my vulva now uh you know oh what pelvic floor work do I need to do maybe I need to go and see that osteo that specializes in you know the the nerves of the pelvis to make sure that nothing is squashed or yeah all of that stuff yeah um and that's reclaiming sex yeah so good and then if you were, I mean, I know that a lot of men, I guess, and dads don't listen to this podcast, but if they did, or if someone wanted to make their partner listen to this podcast, would you have advice on what the partner can do to be supportive and helpful during this process and not, I guess, put pressure on their partners? Who have yeah, so no pressure, like, exactly. So it's really hard like language like you know it's okay sweetheart I support you you know take as long as you need all that kind of thing um but that's matched with an air of resentment or an air of frustration or oh I'm tired too and all of that kind of like you're both tired Mm. we get it right Mm. him dude we need you to like level up again the level up that comes when a mother births is like we don't have a choice we it just happens yeah. right you see it in her face her eyes change where our face like things change you know those photos where you see a person before they've birthed the baby they're first and then afterwards <laughs> and you're like damn there's the mother you know <laughs> yeah, that moment? yeah yeah <laughs> yeah for sure so that happens to us without choice whereas um the man needs to actually choose that level up moment Mm. and that means that if you are a pegged down now then be in that position (laughs) or um yeah and be there like with pride and like hold from the bottom bottom up like Mm. do that servant leadership if there's touch that your partner wants to receive that means that it's completely selfless like go there Mm. you know without any expectation to receive anything back um be in congruent communication. If you really do want to support her, don't say with your words that you're supportive, but actually with your energetic, be frustrated and yeah. like dank. Yeah. Because that can happen. And you can feel it. <laughs> it's so obvious. You can feel it. Mm. Yeah. And get support as well. Like men need support at that time. So yeah. if there is a men's group, if there is, um, you know, counselling, go and get support. Don't, you can't lean on your woman in the ways that you potentially were before Mm. Um, and this doesn't apply to everyone this is just actually when I speak like this it's based on these scores and scores and scores of conversations that I have with lots of women um, about their relational dynamic but it's not all people you know it's not all people for sure I think that will be very helpful though and then the other thing I'm really interested in hearing you speak about a bit is a quick dive into sex positive parenting 
um, for maybe parents that aren't already aware of it, because there's so many people that still aren't even conscious of what that means. And I'd love it if you could give a brief rundown of maybe what it means and why we should be embracing it. Mm. Yeah. So sex positive parenting is really about breaking whatever um, inherited beliefs and behaviours um, you got from your childhood from your parents and they got from theirs. So what that takes is us doing the work to actually create new narratives about how we want to see sex and pleasure in our home and how we want to educate about it and how we want to actually be in response rather than reaction mm. to our children's sexuality. Mm. So whatever whatever that means to you, I, I, I think that you can track that in yourself. As you hear me say those words, it's like, oh, Okay, so when I got caught masturbating at seven and mum made a really big deal about it and pulled the covers back and was like, what are you doing? Stop. Come on, like get your hand away. Whatever the fuck your mum did (laughs) or your dad or whoever, your auntie, whatever. If we don't actually heal that narrative that says that, oh, I'm dirty and I'm something to be ashamed and I did the wrong thing by touching my body, then that's the narrative we're going to place in our home with our kid. Yeah. Definitely shame is a, is a big word, isn't it, in that community, like yeah. taking that away because it's such a – That's it. I feel like we all get yeah. from the generations above especially. We've all been shamed. Yeah, that's it. So that's it. That's, it's like creating whatever narrative you want your children to feel and think and, and embody around sex. Mm. So, um, But it requires us to be doing the work to like come into conscious sexual healing for ourselves and then we can, yeah, we can pass it on. Um and it's getting educated around what kind of language you want to use with your kids. So um, age appropriate language to explain to them when they ask questions, like to tell them the truth. Yeah. To include pleasure in your sex education, to um, empower them with knowledge about the real words that, you know, the, uh, their genitals have, yeah. the, the names, you know, real names. Um, it's about... <sighs> not protecting them because something is inherently dangerous about sex, but it's equipping them with information that is correct. Mm. Yeah. It's you know, so essential. It's funny when you lay it out yeah. like that, it seems so obvious, but we just have this weird way of like tiptoeing around, like it's a willy or it's a whatever, but why, why yeah. are we saying that? Why? It's so exactly. Strange. It's because there's something that we believe to be true that it's like, we need to protect them from. Yeah. From what? Hmm. The best way that we can protect them is by giving them proper, like, accurate information. Yeah, for sure. And by, like, not shaming them. Kids are inherently sexual. Yeah. Because they haven't been given all the shame yet. Mm. Kids masturbate. Kids feel pleasure in their genitals. Yeah. I I have memories from probably, uh, I would have been three or four because I know because the house that we were living in. And I was having, I would go to bed and, like, rub my clitoris and put myself to sleep. Mm. I was young. Yeah. That's not. uh, 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 (laughs) So when we're like, oh, you know, sex isn't for kids. It's like, no, penetrative sex with an adult is not for kids. Yeah. But kids are sexual. So get with it. Yeah, totally. And like uh, the quicker that we can yeah, understand that. Sorry, I got. No, no, I'm loving the tangent because it's actually quite (laughs) useful information. What would you say to someone who is experiencing a two, three, whatever age year old masturbating and they don't know how to to confront it or deal with it so I would say firstly put love there 
when in doubt, yeah. put love there and mm. affirm them. Sweetheart, I can tell that you're enjoying your body. You are so beautiful. I love you so much. When you do that, it's best if you do it somewhere private, okay? So come here and I'll take you up to your bedroom. I'll take you and you can use this blanket and do it somewhere private. I love you so much. Mm. I'm so happy that you're enjoying your body. Mm. Wow, that's so powerful. Imagine if everyone had been told that when they were young. Right, <laughs> right. And, you know, you don't do that. In, you, you only do it when you're at home, like, mm. you know, in your whatever you want to create for them in your bed or in that yeah. corner or whatever it is. Um, we don't do that when there are people around, sweetheart. Yeah. You know, simple. And that's true. You don't do that in the lounge room yeah. when during the family barbecue. But you encourage them to do it elsewhere or yeah. you might tell a story. Like I remember when I was your age, I really enjoyed um, playing with my body too. I enjoyed massaging my body. I like to make my body all warm and comfy. Mm. I love you, you, you know. Yeah. Powerful words. That's all. Mm. Yeah. But you can see how that takes us like not re- being in reaction. Yeah. We need to like stop in that moment and go, okay, what is actually happening here? Mm. And remember their innocence. Yeah. Like they are in innocence. We are not. Yeah. We're just projecting our shit you know, onto them so when we're that's reacting right. in that yeah. way. Yeah. So true. Mm. So I have one final question for you and it's a big one. It's yes. what has yeah. motherhood given you? Motherhood's given me, it's like a grounding is what I would say. Mm. Motherhood grounded me into like actual presence on this plane, mm. you know, presence not only in my body but really present to life, present to my life. Um, deep responsibilities that I actually feel like I needed before I was able to do, like to really be in service. I needed a lot more, um, yeah, deepening into to responsibility. So it's given me that. Um, it's given me as well, I think, the opportunity not to, like I understand that a lot of what I do, I don't dedicate to my kids. I'm not like everything I do, I do for you. It's like, yeah, I'm selfish in like a lot of the, the good ways I think. And so it's, it's given me an opportunity to like model to two boys, like what it looks like to be a powerful woman in the world and yeah. model to them what's possible for them in their life. Yeah. Kind of one of the things I do on this podcast is find women like you who aren't just devoting their lives to being a mother because I didn't find a lot of connection with that originally either when I first gave birth. I I didn't find connection in mother's groups and I felt really like, oh, um, how am I supposed to fit into this world? This is really confusing. And talking to people like you makes me feel so relieved because we need women like this to be like, no, I need a life. I need to have something outside of this. Like it's not for everybody to just give up your, I guess, um, maybe it's not called giving up. I'm probably projecting a bit there, but just yeah. to just be a mum, I guess, isn't enough for me. Yeah. And yeah. I feel good hearing that that's the same for other women too or other people too. Yeah. That is all we have time for today. I really appreciate you taking the time. If anyone who is listening doesn't follow Tamika, head to the Orgasmic Mama on Instagram. You'll thank me later. And is there anywhere else people can track you down? Um, you can come over to 
www.theorgasmicmama.com. I'm in the middle of like revamping a whole bunch of stuff there, but I have some programs available through that side or you can, you know, sign up to my newsletter. Um, but no, Instagram's the best. You get all of the best and worst of me on the gram. So come on over. So good. <laughs> Thanks so much for taking the time to come on the show again. It's been so great to chat with you this morning. Thank you so much for having me, Amy. It's a good chat. My pleasure. Today's episode is sponsored by Lucy. Lucy is here to make a difference. Promoting a holistic approach to sexual wellness, their flagship product is a water-based, non-sticky personal lubricant. Australian-made, vegan, and with no nasties, it's scientifically designed for your most sensitive parts, making it ideal for use throughout your pregnancy and postpartum. Enter Mother Other at the checkout to receive 15% off your order.